Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Hi, Carter. Are you there? Hi, Amanda. This is Carter, and I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, ground control. So mm-hmm. thanks for joining us today. Um, do you mind just starting off by giving us a quick introduction of who you are? Yeah, sure. I'm, as you well know, I'm Carter Keegan. I'm originally from Peonia, Colorado, and I'm currently going to college at Canisius College in Buffalo, New York, getting my environmental studies and animal behavior, ecology, and conservation degree. Right on. Thanks for joining us. Carter, you and I first met about three years ago, four, three I think three, three and a half years ago now. Um, how how old are you now? <laughs> Do you mind me asking? Uh, yeah, I'm now 24. Okay. And pretty soon I'll be 25 on January 30th. <laughs> so oh, pretty soon. yeah. Happy birthday. Happy early oh. birthday. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so you were 21 when I met you. So I wow. remember, yeah, I was like, I was just trying to think back, like, how old were you when I met you? Um and I was a little bit older than that. <laughs> That's all I'll mm-hmm. say. <laughs> um, so when we first met, it was a kind of a interesting alignment of the stars. It was someone who knew your family that I went to, you know, high school and middle school with, and somehow you were visiting your godmother here on Oahu, and I happened to be living here. And so it's super incredible that our paths crossed. But can you talk to me a little bit about um, – you know, about, I mean, you're in college now, but can you talk to me a little bit about what life was like for you as a child? Well, um, life as a child for me was, I mean, I was, at first, it was, I was your pretty atypical child. I, I mean, I was uh, pretty much, I mean, as a two-year-old, I was verbal and engaging and stuff until, um, until and my favorite word at the time was, yellow, which is a pretty hard word for a a child of two years to even speak. So it was my favorite word and stuff. And so when my father came home one time from from work, he he was working as an international flight attendant, so he wasn't home with a bunch and stuff. But when he came home, um, he, I mean, he was just, after a couple of days, he asked my mom, and my brother, older brother, when was the last time I had said yellow or any other words? And my mom, being an occupational therapist, she, of course, had has worked with children with numerous, very various um, spectrums of spectrum of autism and stuff. And she didn't think of it, and she was like, "Oh, come to think of it, he hasn't said anything in the last couple of days." And then that's when I when I was driven over to get testing and I was officially diagnosed and that's when the real journey began of trying to bring me back from the world of autism into the normal human world, I guess you can say. I mean, I suffered from severe sensory sensitivities and the people told my family that I wouldn't travel, I wouldn't speak, I wouldn't eat in public places. I, I would, they, kept, they didn't give high 
hope for me, but then through lots of intensive therapies and aids and people from the community, I've I've become the person I am today through all that hard work, and I guess I'm the one who's worked the hardest to compared to everyone else who's known me since then, so if you want to know any more specifics, you're welcome, more than welcome to ask. I just chuckle a little bit because um, you, you you have worked the hardest, and um, I, I think one of the, the joys that has been brought to my life by knowing you, Carter, I mean, there's so many, but one of the first things I remember about meeting you was it was it's so incredible to hear the perspective of a person on the spectrum because as a provider, I've spent my entire life trying to help, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I want to, um, everything I'm doing is only trying to come from that place. And it's, it's, um, it's really heartwarming and encouraging to hear about, you know, the efforts and the outcomes and the things that can be achieved. And you talked about, sensory stimulation and I remember asking you that question because when I met you you already had your driver's license and I said you know if you engage in, in sensory kinds of behaviors how do you oh did you hear that yeah I heard that almost, yeah it's almost the new year and so there's fireworks going off here wow, speaking that's crazy. of sensory sounds right I mean it's <laughs> been quite loud here is almost perfect timing but I remember asking you about about how do you address your sensory needs while you're driving, and can you can you speak to a little bit about how you came to get your driver's license? Well, it wasn't easy. I mean, I still am not a big, really huge fan of driving. I just pretty much drive around my the general area of my hometown. I really haven't driven much anywhere else. I need to have more practice, but it, that'll come with time. But um, it was just, I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, when I'm in the car normally, when I'm not driving, is that I rock back and forth, but I can't do that while I'm driving, unfortunately, because I've tried that. That doesn't work. So I've just tried to find ways to be calm. And I mean, even though I'm a somewhat slightly tense driver, I mean, I'm I'm not the driver that lashes out, but I still don't feel really comfortable driving at all. So (laughs) just trying to find... um, ways of just like deep deep breaths and just trying to stay focused and trying to get to point A, point B without and just taking my <laughs> my time and stuff and even I was to the point of because people were I mean, I even decided to put driver with autism or autistic driver on my car so people would realize to get be courteous and also give me I mean just not because I was dealing with um, some road drivers, so I was like, oh, maybe if I put these on, maybe that will change the way people see me driving. So, And it surprisingly did, so <laughs> it helped. Oh, that's interesting. It's a, a visual sort of prompt or stimulus. You know, yeah. we see that sometimes with student driver, um, but that's interesting that you thought about that. I think some people get really comfortable driving, but I, I imagine a lot of people still face anxieties and fears with driving. Um, yeah. Yeah, perhaps it's just heightened. I know um, 
on Oahu here, we sit in traffic a lot. So if you, if you don't want to go fast, that's not a problem because you're just going to be in bumper to bumper. But if you're, you know, someone who kind of glances away or gets distracted a lot, that could be, that could be difficult. So yeah. was it important to you to, to get your driver's license or why did you decide to do that? Well, I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was just something that I was like, oh, maybe help another step of just for for me to get my excuse me my driver's license just to so I can because since my parents are divorced and stuff they live at two different houses and also I could drive from their two places and also I could be more independent so to speak and also just I mean and of it and just try to <laughs> do things that um, if I wanted to go somewhere and drive, I could. So it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't absolutely necessary, but I just thought that it was probably a good thing to have, another feather in my cap. So so it's, yeah. still, it's still a pretty small feather. I'm still, no, I think I'm, it's an incredible accomplishment, Carter. Yeah, I mean. You know, whether you choose to drive frequently or not is the the wonderful thing there is that it's your choice and that right. you have the skill and you have the ability and that you, you prioritize it. And like, mm-hmm. I think, you know, what you had shared was independence that it allows you to have. Like if you, if you need to go to the store, you want to go get something, you legally, you know, have the ability to get in a car and go do that. So it's incredible. And I'm sure that's one of the things that your family was told you'd never be able to do. Yeah. Um, So so that's a big feather in your cap, you know, kind of always doing the things people say we can't do. I think that's an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So do you mind talking to us about about college? I mean, your journey to where you are now, your current program? Yeah, um, sure. I mean, I started off at a small community college for two years. I mean, it was just a, a like two hours away from home it was and I graduated with that program and stuff and then but then there was a part of me was like well I wanted to get I mean I just got a um pretty much a associates just a certificate program but part of me was like well I wanted to go to a four-year college and experience college for four years and doing finding the college was in my interests and stuff and we were my mom and I were doing some research on the computer we were trying to find like a animal behavior conservation ecology program and then we found (laughs) Canisius College and we were like oh there's a college in and we look 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 up where it is and it's all the way in Buffalo New York (laughs) which is like thousands of miles away from home and different time zone and just and in a city and things and um it was and so we were uh, and we were learning more about the school and it was about about their small classroom size and their um also some of the classes seemed absolutely fascinating and also and so we were made some arrangements for me to go out there and for like a school transfer visit and 
once my I went with my mom and stepdad, and we visited, and I was so taken away by the program and also by the um, friendliness and outgoingness of the people at this Catholic Jesuit school, and um, it was very eye-opening, and we and I just fell in love with the school, and the first year was extremely difficult, but um, but then I was to the point almost wanting to, I mean, I had suffered tremendously from depression and anxiety attacks because I was so, I mean, because it was like I was so surprised because this is the school I would, this is the dream school I've always been wanting to go to. And then, um, but then I suffered from that. But so we had a, uh, we were was prescribed some anxiety and depression meds to to help me through. And also that my father reconnected with some of his friends that he went to college with in at West Virginia, which is pretty interesting. Of all the schools I decided to go to, I chose a place where my father's friends were living, and so they've become my my extended family, Mike and Mike and Lynn Matthews, and so it was great to have that connection because my, I mean, well, because in case my family couldn't be there when I needed them, it was nice to have them just to be know that I was there and things. So, um, and now going into my, into my spring semester of my junior um, year, it's amazing from what I started out with having a hard time with the adjustment period to now just almost down to a year to almost graduating. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty fascinating been another interesting, fascinating journey. So, when I first went to school, I went to school kind of near home, and I had that same kind of conversation with my family. How far do you go away from home? But I was interested in looking at an education program, and fortunately, there were a lot of programs um, that offer education. But when I did move away after my undergraduate degree, I ended up moving near where extended family were. And it was incredibly helpful, just like you said, for having that sort of surrogate family, right, to have uh, somebody who could help you if you, you know, like when my car broke down or when I needed help or just inviting me over for dinner every now and again. It really went a long way in establishing those relationships. Um, You've talked about your degree in animal, uh, your interest in, and I don't want to misstate it, so you tell us more about it, but it's interesting to me because, for those of us who are in, in, um, familiar with Temple Grandin, it, how similar or different is that? And, and um, I'm sure that we've spoken about her, but, like, did she, her interest have any influence on that for you, or was it more of, like, your upbringing in Colorado? Why your interest in animals? Well, I mean, I've always had a – I've always been interested in animals, and, I mean, I'm, I mean, I've always had this connection with animals and just that – they, I mean, some of my first, I've always had this sixth sense around them and always enjoyed being around them. And because the one thing 
it's interesting that you mentioned Kimball Grandin too, is because I did try to go to school at Colorado State um, University because that because my mom and my grandmother are both CSU grads, and I was trying to go for their animal science program, and Kimball Grandin was one of the professors there, and she, um, and so I. I mean, this, that's the school that I really wanted to go to. I mean, I did like, I went to school there. I mean, went to, um, middle, went for like orientation, like transfer visits for, in middle school and also like in high school just to visit the school. And, um, we, and so I was, and so I, it's, so I submitted my application and then I get the, application back saying that I was not accepted. Everything else on my GPA, um, on my transcript was good. However, the thing, the problem was that there, I did not have what they said, quote, high enough math scores. And I've always struggled with math. And even we, and that summer, my family, um, I was, also had was I also had an assessment done to see why I always struggle with math and it found it turns out that I have also have dyscalculia and we even submitted sent that paperwork and just saying that this is what he's this is what he struggles with too. So do we I mean, is there a way to work around that or go through as Kimball Grandin says, the back door? But they were so stringent on it, they wouldn't do it. And so I was pretty devastated because it's like, well, and then until I found Canisius and they were pretty supportive and they weren't. And with the support services and also the different academic program at Canisius, I'm much happier. I'm so glad I found Canisius for my the animal behavior ecology and conservation program things have a way of working out sometimes and yeah. uh my father has always said to me if it, if it doesn't feel like it's worked out i guess it's not the end and um i don't know why but i find comfort in that statement and i always kind of move towards that path of of like this is taking us somewhere else and let's see where it goes so it is how fortuitous that you found a program where you want to be and where you're feeling successful. Um, before we end today, I d just wanted to ask if you don't mind um, a question I know a lot of parents might be having um, relationships. Uh, what has it been like for you? Have you had roommates and do you mind speaking us to about yeah. uh, romantic yeah. relationships? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm currently, um, I've had, so right now I'm in my, I've had relationships, um, romantic relationships in the past. I've had two that weren't, my second one was way better than my first one, and now my third one is better, way better than my second one. <laughs> but, um, right, and so each of the three that, that I've had have all, have been a learning experience and stuff. But, and truly, What's been amazing is to that I have found someone who truly understands and appreciates my uniqueness, so to speak, and also that being there and just being 
uh, support and also that um, we're able to do uh, things, healthy healthy couple things too, and um, doing things together. And um, and also she's Tiff, um, Tiffany has also helped me grow as a person through the way that she's um has always been been there during I mean during some hard times during the semester and she's always rooting for me to work hard in my studies and stuff and is always knows when to give me a I mean just 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 the fact of being there and um and it does work for people on the spectrum I do believe. I mean you just have to I mean trying to find that that right person it may take a while because I was single for oh, since like um, since 2012 so and then Tiffany and I have only been dating since um, March since March of 2018 so it hasn't even been a year yet but there what we've all what we've done together has been a really special thing and can't wait to see what what else <laughs> happens next with the two of us. Well, you know, wish all the best to you and, and Tiffany. But I think also it's incredible to hear Carter. Thank you again for for sharing your personal story and and information um, with us. But um, I think something that stood out to me is a lot of the misconceptions people have about autism and about the spectrum and. Um, it's evolved over time, of course, you know, what, what are believed to be contributing factors or causes, but there's always been this theme that um, children with autism don't want connections, and you have just really captured and emphasized so many different connections on a romantical front um, with your family, with the community, and um that's how I see you. I mean, I, I saw you as someone like, hey, I want to reach out to Carter and say, Carter, can you come and talk to us and share with us today? So I'm really grateful that you did, and, and thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. Awesome. Uh, for more information on ABA or related um, uh, topics, please visit me at www.behaviorbabe.com. Mm-hmm.